السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين رب شح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقتة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين الحمد لله رب العالمين موسى عليه الصلاة والسلام It is mentioned by the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Musa alayhi salatu wa salam had a very severe pain in his stomach. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked Musa alayhi salatu wa salam that oh Musa alayhi salatu wa salam what is the problem? So Musa alayhi salatu wa salam replies <clears throat> that I have a severe pain in my stomach. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that oh Musa go to a particular tree and take the leaf. Some rewires say, eat the leaf, and some say, make it into a liquid. Take the water from the leaf. Drink that water, and you'll see that the pain in your stomach will go away. So Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, he does what Allah Ta'ala has instructed, and the pain in the stomach goes away. A few weeks later, the same pain that Musa alayhi salatu wasalam had underwent, the same pain came back again. So Musa alayhi salatu wasalam then went to that same particular tree, squeezed out the water from that tree, and drank the water. But this time, his stomach had more pain, and it was even more severe. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, that, oh Musa, what is the problem? So Musa wasalam, says that, Ya Allah, I took from this tree, I did exactly what I did last time, but I feel that the pain's worse than what it was. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Musa, that, O oh Musa, who said the cure was in the tree? Who said the cure was in the tree? But it was the, it was the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that made it a natural phenomena in remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he remembered Allah, when Allah, when he followed the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was the mere fact of following the command of Allah ta'ala that Musa alayhi salatu wasalam found a natural shifa. But when he saw the cure in mankind, in creation, then it was not the natural way. Therefore, in nature, one remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, in Surah Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
mentions a story to us to understand the nature. And in nature, we find the dhikrullah, the remembering of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam calls out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says, Ya Allah, I would like to see the nature and how you bring life to the dead. So not that Allah Ta'ala doesn't know, but Allah wants to teach mankind a lesson about nature being found in the remembrance of Allah. So Allah Ta'ala asks Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, Ibrahim, do you not believe? Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam says, Bala, most definitely. But I want my heart to be at ease. Yani I want to come closer towards you by looking at nature, the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the phenomena of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I want to increase in iman. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam that take some birds, dice it and chop these birds, climb these mountains and put pieces of this flesh upon this minced flesh upon the mountains, you will see that these birds will come hasting to you. So my respected brothers and elders, in today's time, we have defined nature in our own understanding. And one of the mistakes we make in our calculation of what is nature is a logical explanation. And inshallah, before I continue with my talk, I will stop and talk about or elaborate on this topic of misconception, misunderstanding, and what is nature. And then inshallah ta'ala, we will be talking about defining what is nature. The Prophet sallallahu tells us a beautiful hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the end of time, one of the signs of Qiyamah will be that every single sin that has been committed by the previous nations will be found in my Ummah. One of the signs of Qiyamah is that the previous sins of the nations of the past will be found in my Ummah. And in today's time, we find every sin possible or made by the people of the past found in our ummah right up until the extent of homosexuality if you watch television in the 60s and the 70s in the time of uh, after the world war after the world war then psychasm was something that eased the mind and you found that most of the jokes that were made in the 60s and the 70s were based upon homosexuality but there's a key solution. That in order to make something legal, make it a joke. In order to make something legal, make it a joke. So in the 60s and 70s, you will see that psychasm, something that mankind found funny, was jokes about homosexual people. To such an extent that if you make the same joke in the 21st century, you'll be criticized you'll be put down in society. You'll be seen in society as a person that doesn't have a heart. In fact, me being an imam in Australia for the last eight years, when schools, which always comes to us and they book appointments because every week at least a school or two basically comes to the mosque to come and learn by the imams, 
what is Islam all about. And wallahi, without a doubt, you will find that youngsters, they will say, does Islam tolerate homosexuality? So not only is it accepted, it is not only a sin <clears throat> that is accepted, but it is a sin if one rejects it, then that person is belittled in society. So this is the major signs of Qiyamah. One of the sins that we find in today's time, my respected brothers and elders, mothers and sisters, that never existed in the face of this dunya before modern times. It has become not only a sin, but it's become an attraction for mankind. And what is that? A person denying the oneness of Allah. A person denying the existence of a creator. My respected brothers and elders, in the past we found people that believed in Allah, but they committed shirk, associated partners with Allah. So they would say Allah is there, but Allah needs aids of the celestial body. The celestial bodies are equal as God's, as Allah is God. And we found people that worship fire. And we found people worshipping animals. Like the snake and the cow. And the lion and the wolf. The red Indians worshipped the wolf. They saw a spirit in the wolf. Aboriginals, Aboriginals back home in Australia, they believe in a religion called the dream time. And in this dream time, they believe that in every animal has a particular spirit. And that spirit is their God. For example, the name kangaroo. For the Aboriginal, is actually kangaroo. And a kangaroo basically means what? A large rabbit that hops. A spirit that hops. A spirit that hops. Emu. In Cape Town, in South Africa, they, in, they call it the ostrich. In Australia, the same bird, yet a little bit smaller, with a long neck, is called an emu. And it has also a godly meaning. The months that we, the months that we have, January, February, March, they are all what? Shirk. They are all names of gods. They are all names of particular gods. There's no problems with mentioning January, February. But when we look at mankind, they always indicated, gave an ishara towards God. God was never denied. God was never denied. But in today's time, we find that a professor at university, his pride and honor is to walk into a lecture theater and to state that I am an atheist. And he will give you calculations. He will give you the natural phenomena of mankind, that one plus one comes about, that that one, the element of one is nature, and the element of two is also nature. One plus one equals two. Nature creates itself. So when they look at nature, my respected brothers and elders, they see nature, they see the denial of Allah. But when mankind sees nature, nature reminds them of Allah. But inshallah ta'ala, in a few minutes we will be speaking about the true definition of what is nature. But let's carry on and what is the definition of what mankind has been given in the 21st century? So let's go back to the cause of the problem. How did this new thinking come about? A thinking that never existed before, but now became the heat and the glory of our 21st century. 
They made movies. Movies like, for example, the new movie of Noah. A movie that was made by a what? Atheist. And he mentions in an article that when I made the, when I made the movie Noah, when I made the movie Noah, I did not allow the cast to ever mention the name Allah, God. And so for those who have watched it, I'm sorry, I haven't. But this is an article I've read. He says that I did not allow the cast to mention Allah once. And if you look at the story that he gives, he gives you a bad impression of what we believe is nature, and that is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what he believes there, what he brings across is that God or religion goes contrary towards what nature wants. A new movie that they decided to make, but it became a flop. And I'm sorry to mention a movie in today's time because the reason why I'm mentioning movies is that that's how they try to bring their da'wah across. May Allah Ta'ala protect our children. May Allah Ta'ala protect our children. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. We don't realize how much evil is found in whether it's a cartoon or whether it's a movie. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. A new movie they tried to make, which was, I stand for correction, it was, Allah Ta'ala say, Muhammad, Dawood, about Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. About Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. Sorry, it's not coming to my mind. What is the English name for Dawood? David. David and Goliath. They wanted to mention the story. They wanted, they spent, I can't remember the exact digits, but you can Google it and find out how many millions of dollars they spent on making the movie. When it got to Hollywood, Hollywood rejected it. And what was the reason? Read about it. Don't take my word, read about it. It's open. It's actually their fame and honor. They say that the reason why they did not allow this particular movie to hit A was there were too many times God's name mentioned. Don't take my word. My dear brothers and elders, mothers and sisters, don't take my word. Read about it. Read about it. What was the reason? Google, what was the reason why this new movie didn't come about? And they will tell you that because there were too many times Allah Ta'ala's name is mentioned and for that reason they had rejected it openly. So you sit in the lecture theater and a professor tells you about the dynamics of chemistry and the dynamics of biology. We say, subhanAllah, nature, Allah. With that same example, he will say, see, you see, nature is not God. So my respected brothers and elders, I want to take us back in history, inshallah ta'ala. I will try not lengthen and delay the talk too long, inshallah ta'ala. We will hit two topics, inshallah. There's so many things to be mentioned, but we'll try and uh, compromise with time, inshallah. Have you ever heard of the French Revolution? Any brothers? French Revolution? Yes. It's become a hot topic. It's become a discussion whether in high school or university. And if you look at the, the dynamics of the French Revolution, you will see that the existence of atheism started from the French Revolution. Once upon a time, the France or the French lived in a society or in a kingdom of the monarchy system, a king, and therefore a person, a son comes and he becomes the king and etc, etc, etc. You had three classes of people. You had the domain. You had the ones that were uh, the royal. The second class was the 
the ones that were rich, the ones that were powerful, the ones that had very, very astonishing surnames or rich people of the past. And the third category were the peasants. And it was total, total, total scavenge. It was total diminishing of what mankind was. And if you look at the system that they had created, when a king had a son, the eldest son became the future king. What happened to the other sons? The other sons played roles in the royal, the royal, uh, the royal endeavor, or the royal status, or the royal uh, darajat, leveling in, in regards to its royalty. But you found that one son became the priest of all priests. One of the sons of the king became the main priest of the church. So what happened? When the king abused and he made the peasants work in the lands and the rent was, they had to pay double tax. Tax was ridiculous. And whenever there was a war, they had to sign a declaration that they, fight, they had to fight this war. And if they didn't fight, they were prosecuted and killed. Not only them, their family and children, everybody. They would annihilate the whole entire family. But mankind never rebelled. There was no coup. In today's time, you see mankind uproaring. Very quickly, especially in the Arab world. Mankind stands up and starts to uproar. In so much oppression, why didn't mankind uproar? What was the problem? This was a problem. Amongst the king and the priest, they had this special bond that you scratch my back and I scratch your back. So the king would go to the priest and tell him that I want these laws made. And the priest will say, in return, I would want this to be done. And the priest would declare that king is God. And their motto was that God was king. God was king. So even though they were upset with the king, nobody wanted to disobey Allah. Nobody wanted to disobey Allah. So as much as the king did, they believed in the hereafter. They believed in consequence. They believed in wrath. They believed in punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for that they had sabr. So from amongst them we had what? People who became thinkers. We call them philosophers. So philosophers realized that if we had to decline Allah, like the philosophers of the past, we will be beheaded. So they came up with a system. A very long, long story cut, very, very short. They came up with a system that if we can find the dynamics in calculation of this dunya, how the dunya came about, how does the grass grow, how does time work, if we can give an answer through nature, through the creation of Allah, automatically man can then take Allah away from the equation. So philosophers started to become the known people in society where mankind were very fascinated with the logical explanation behind things. Doesn't it ring a bell? Today's time when the ulama say something, they say, no, it doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. It's a science that you need to go and learn about it. Exactly like medicine. That's why we sit in, the, in our Daru Ulum for 10 years. That's why we sit in the Daru Ulums for 7 years. That's what ulama said for a lifetime. Because if medicine is hard, ask any scholar, when you go into the sciences, 
there is nothing more difficult, more complicated than looking at the dynamics of Sharia. That for everything there is a pattern, a perfect pattern that Allah Ta'ala has created for mankind, a natural pattern that we can continue every time there comes a new mas'ala, a new fatwa, a new revolutionary item that has come about. Islam asks, is this halal or is this haram? So in today's time, when we see something that logically doesn't make sense, we go onto YouTube and we find a scholar that does make sense. There's this big thing going around about inshallah. I got about three or four of these messages. What baloney? Inshallah. He said, don't you know? And there's a big sign that says what? Inshallah. And if you don't say inshallah, then what will happen? You're basically creating shirk. And you're saying what? Allah is creating or creating is Allah or some dynamic like that. There's nothing of the sort. There's nothing of the sort. But because it makes sense, it sounds dynamic. Because it sounds dynamic, we fall for such things that we... Someone says, Inshallah, we say, what do you mean by Inshallah? Are you in your mind joining it? Are you joining it in your mind or is it separate? Because if you don't join it, it's a, there's nothing like that. Ask any scholar of deen that has studied the Arabic language. There's nothing like in Shah Allah. There's nothing like that. Nothing like that. Nothing, absolutely nothing like that. Baloney. Absolute baloney. So like that, when mankind comes up with some type of calculation, we get excited. We're blown away because that's the natural way. That's the natural way of mankind. We're so excited. Today's time when dhikr is made, we say, oh, this dhikr doesn't, doesn't look very good. Doesn't logically make sense to me. So now, subhanAllah, this beautiful Cape Town is being what? Shaken by people coming with other ideologies in Cape Town. And they say, well, we, we, that dhikr that you're making, that dhikr is a bit, you know, we need, you need to watch it now. Why? Logically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. For so long, my respected brothers, I will not prolong talking, inshallah ta'ala. For so long, my, my members, we built a masjid, 2.2 million. And uh, please make dua, inshallah, Allah ta'ala make his, makes it easy and possible. I've come down with students, I've opened a Dar ulum because I believe that Australia needs its own homegrown Dar ulum so that scholars can understand the people, but at the same time, we can't complete there. We're completing by Mulataha Quran. Why? Because we have the people who are giants in Cape Town. Alhamdulillah, that's my belief. So I, my, my, my fellow friends in Australia always ask me, Mulana, when are you coming home? I say, I don't know. They say, why? I said, I love it too much. Every time I think about home, I get scared. And I don't want to go home. So if... For two years now I've been here. It's about time soon I'll, be have, to, I'll have to leave. But I'm always thinking, what's the, why do I love Cape Town so much? And I realized about three or four weeks ago, and I quickly told my students at Darul Turath, Mullah Abdurrahman Khan, Allah accept his Umrah, he was here at this masjid and I performed the Jum'ah. And I said to Mullah, please Mullah, you're here, lead the Salah. So Mullah led the Salah. And after the Salah, they did the Salawat. And as the salat was, salawat was going, I realized that no way in the world, no way, if you're sophisticated, can you have people that are singing a salawat. You can't. 
Go to Australia and try. Say together, Inna Allah wa malaikatahu. The end part will be outside. Because we have watered down deen so much that the imams don't have the freedom to even make a dua loud in the masjid. Don't believe me? Find out. But in Cape Town, mashallah, they've moved that logical explanation one side and they've seen the proof from Quran and Sunnah and Sami'ana wa Ta'ana. They have listened and obeyed until today. Allah is taking work from Cape Town. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, way in the world, way in the world, you will find that, not South Africa, but Cape Town, you will find the work of the Cape Townians taking place. In fact, just off topic, uh, in Australia, in the 1960s and 1970s, there, are, there were three, there were three, uh, there were three groups of migrations from South Africa. The first migrations were the Khalids, by the way. In the 60s, Australia was basically giving away, um, they were giving away citizenship, like Canada. Canada and Australia were giving citizenship away, but they said, no, we're not going to be like Canada and accept every Tom, Dick and Harry. We're going to look for people that Australia needs. And when they talked about craftsmen, they said it has to be Cape Townian. It has to be Cape Townian. And that is why we have one of the oldest cities in, uh, one of the oldest towns in Australia, in Sydney, called Campbelltown. And if you walk in there, straight away, you know, you know you're in Cape Town. In fact, I married a South African, I stole one of your, your, your daughters, and took her back. She was missing home so much, I actually took her to Campbelltown. And she felt really, really at home. MashaAllah. Second, just off the topic, the second migration was the whites. They ran in 94. 94, we found a massive group of South Africans, basically white South Africans moving over. And the last one was what, 98 to 2001. Indians running also after that. So we have an area called Karabi, which is now 99%. My brother Mulan Akram is the imam of that masjid. 99% of that area is Johannesburg, Durban. You feel just at home. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless and guide us. So looking at Cape Town, the dynamics of Cape Town, how beautiful and how sharia inclined, how tasawuf inclined when Tawang Guru brought deen to Cape. Remember in the past, Johannesburg had to bring Hufad from Cape Town. Oh yes. They came with deen. They came with Islam. They had money with them. The, the Malays came as, as slaves. Their rights of the Malays were only given much later than the Indians much later than the Indians. Yet you found Cape Town did not think twice about building a masjid. Cape Town did not think twice about building a Daru Ulum. In Spain there were so many masajid. But what happened? Deen was taken away. Tuang Guru knew that it's not because of the masjid, it's because of Daru Ulums. And he opened old masjid, which was what first? It was a maktab first. Before it became a masjid, it was a maktab. It was a place where students, when youngsters would come, and learn Quran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us understanding. Coming back to topic. So this nature of mankind, today's time, because of this, they had beheaded the king. They have overthrown, overthrown the kingdom. They killed him. They killed the last king. And this was called the French Revolution in a nutshell. And from that day on, in today's time, you are sophisticated. Oh, oh if you can say one plus one equals two. 
So in today's time, we want to hear this bombastic calculation, hair-splitting from this dynamic to that dynamic, and only then we believe. What does Allah say? Allah Ta'ala says, kitab la Allah says this Quran, there's no doubt in it. A guide for mankind. For the person who wants taqwa, which my time is, I've gone really off my time. Taqwa. Allah Ta'ala says this book is a book of, for those of have, who has taqwa. And then Allah Ta'ala says what? Alladheena yu'minuna. My respected brothers. Bilghaybi. So the nature, what mankind calls nature in today's time, Allah says don't believe in that. Those who believe in the unseen, those who believe in the unseen, that is what taqwa is and that is what nature is. So it's not about us understanding one plus one equals two. No, that's what deen is all about. Believe in Allah. That person, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ That person, before salah, وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةِ Allah Ta'ala says, are on further, 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 further. But the first thing is what? Take away calculation. If Allah says, it's true. If Allah Ta'ala says, it's true. No problems. If you want calculation, we challenge the Orientalists and the Modernists. With their calculation, we'll break them. But we only use calculation for defense against them, to prove that they're wrong. We have sciences at the Darul Ulum that we study, mashallah, and that's why I come to Cape Town, is because it is one of the only places that teaches these sciences. That when the West come with their logic, we use the same logic to take them down. At the end of the day, we say it's Allah at the end of the day. So my respected brothers and elders, when we look at what mankind has defined, what is nature, it is not what Allah Ta'ala says what is nature. Subhanallah, I've taken so much time already. Will the brothers allow me to speak for about 15 to 20 minutes? Is the brothers comfortable with that? I don't want to take too long. They say, Malana, they just speak too much. Barakallah Now let's go and let's define now. Sorry, I'm rushing everything. This is a whole science itself, inshallah, but we're trying as fast as we can to touch base, inshallah. On the opposite, on the contrary, what is nature then? I'm going to use, inshallah, ta'ala, the month of Ramadan for us to connect with Allah, therefore connect with nature. Allah Ta'ala says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ السِّيَامِ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِن قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that I have prescribed fasting upon you as I have prescribed fasting upon those from before you for, for one particular reason. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ That you may get the quality of taqwa. When we look at Eid al-Adha, there's a famous hadith that mentioned that the blood and the flesh doesn't reach Allah. But what reaches Allah? Piety, taqwa reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everywhere in the Quran, Allah ta'ala says in every ibadah, the purpose is taqwa. So we're going to hit two birds with one stone. We're going to be talking about the purpose of Ramadan which the purpose of Ramadan is the purpose of our life. And the purpose of our life is to connect with nature. And when we connect with nature, we connect with Allah. So the scholars of deen then define, we need to understand that if I want to see a successful Ramadan, therefore, a successful life, we need to understand what is taqwa. So sometimes Allah Ta'ala, 
makes tafsir, commentary of Quran with Quran, and sometimes commentary is made with hadith. In regards to taqwa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the tafsir, the commentary of taqwa is what? I'dilu huwa aqrabu taqwa that have the quality of adl, it is the closest phenomena in finding the quality of taqwa. Now what is adl? So the scholars translate adl as justice. If you are just, you can obtain the quality of taqwa. The scholars of deen defied justice. Now we need the quality of justice. Now many times we say, hey, be fair, man. So now we look, look at the homo, homo guy that wants to get married, we say, hey, be fair, man. Huh? Is that justice? We see in today's time people in places bombing other countries. And they say we are bombing for justice. So what is justice? Because in the objective of obtaining taqwa, Allah Ta'ala says, I'dilu, be just, taqwa. It is the closest in obtaining taqwa. So the scholars of deen divide taqwa into three categories. Inshallah, once we mention these three categories, we'll close shop. Number one, our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The just, the rights that we have, us between Allah. Number two, the rights and the justice between us and ourselves. And number three, the justice between every other creation of Allah. Number one, I'm going to mention it very quickly. Islam tells us that what? أَتَّشْهَدُ وَلَّا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَإِقَابُ الصَّلَاةِ وَإِتَاءُ الزَّكَاةِ وَالصَّوْمُ رَمَضَانِ وَالْحَجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنْ إِسْتَطَاعِ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا That to testify that there is only one deity. That Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the last and final messengers, messenger after many messengers that Allah ta'ala sent to establish the five maktubat, the five daily prayers to fast in the blessed month of Ramadan, to pay your obligatory zakat in order to purify, excuse me, in order to purify your wealth. And lastly, to perform the pilgrimage if able to do so. May Allah Ta'ala allow us that if we're not praying our salah, that in the month of Ramadan, we start to become the musalli. We start to become a person that is regular with our salah, that we plan our day according to our salah, but I would not prolong, inshallah, in this particular justice. When a person praises salah, he's being just with the creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not that Allah ta'ala needs it. Second category, and this is where we're going to spend a little bit of a time inshallah from that 20 minutes that I take in extra. What does it mean to be just with ourselves? A buddy of mine, a friend of mine, his name is Jim Bellos. He's been a policeman, or what we call in Australia a copper, for the last 35 years. And one day we were sitting in a, uh, a police satellite meeting and he says to me, Mom, I want to tell you something. So I said, Jim, go ahead. He says that, you know, 35 years I've been in this business, I've been in this criminal world. And I've not met one person, doesn't matter how massive the crime, I've seen every crime, he says. But every man that has committed a crime comes in, sits right there on that chair and he always justifies the wrong that he has done. He always justifies the wrong that he's done. Have you ever seen someone want to backbite? Nobody just backbites, says, Allah forgive me, Allah forgive me, but this guy here can't stand him. Or what we do? 
Oh, this is not backbiting, man. This is not backbiting. This is, everyone knows about it. This is not backbiting. Why do you have to give yourself an explanation? Why? Because nature is telling you it's not part of mankind. You're not giving justice. By committing a sin, you're not committing justice. May Allah Ta'ala give us the understanding. So what is this that Allah Ta'ala is speaking about? Being just with yourself. The Prophet says, Every son of Adam is a sinner. You won't find a man, but he sins. But the best of sinners is he. Number one, he acknowledges that he's making this sin. And number two, is that he makes tawbah. So the scholars of deen mention that in making tawbah, is being just with yourself. So if you're denying, or you're justifying, or you're not acknowledging, can you ever make tawbah? So when a person comes down to the point that he makes tawbah, it is one of the most beloved acts that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that if in my ummah, if this ummah did not sin, I would have created another ummah to sin so that they can make tawbah. That is how beloved the act of tawbah is in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is this sin? Allah Ta'ala says, He speaks about three categories of people. In the beginning of the Quran, the person who is a believer. The second person, the person who is a disbeliever. And the third person who is a hypocrite. Allah Ta'ala defines it as the man that is white outside and white inside. The man that is black outside and black inside. And the man that is white outside apparently, but there is blackness inside. Allah, after speaking about the blackness of the man outside and inside, and the man that has blackness Inside, Allah says that He doesn't create oppression. They don't have this blackness because Allah wanted them to become black. No. It is the actions that made them black. So you have a person who's a munafiq, therefore he's a kafir. Or you have a believer that has the qualities of a munafiq. Allah says, what is the problem? Where is the problem? Like when a person goes to mechanic, he says, ah, oh, yeah, here's the problem. Allah tells us the reason why these people find themselves in blackness. Allah says, Fi qulubihim maradun. In the heart, there is a sickness. In the heart, there is a sickness. In the commentary of this, the Prophet says that every man, when he sins, Allah Ta'ala creates a black dot on his heart. And if he makes tawbah, that black dot is removed. But if that person doesn't make tawbah, and he continues to sin, the heart becomes black until the entire heart is full of darkness. Can we relate? Sure we can. Tell the man that, ask the man that stole for the first time how hard it was. Butterflies in the stomach? Feel like vomiting? Paranoia? He, he, he doesn't know how to think straight? It's such adrenaline. It's so hard for him. And then he steals. And then he walks away. And his heart is still pumping. Why? Because the heart is white. It's not used to darkness. But ask the man that continues to sin, steals upon steal, steals upon steal. Is it easier? It's easier because the heart becomes black. Because the heart has become so black that now it's very easy for that person to continue sinning. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. So my respected brothers and elders, to be justice with ourselves, we need to make tawbah. And to make tawbah, we need to first acknowledge the unnatural sin that we are creating in ourselves. 
Some of us have a problem with our eyes. Ladies upon ladies complaining, emails upon emails within Australia and Cape Town. I find my husband looking at haram. I find my husband laying next to me in my bed. And he's turned the other way around and he's looking at his phone upon things which is haram. I don't know even how to approach my husband. I don't even know how to approach my husband. My husband doesn't want to see me anymore. My, doesn't want, my husband doesn't want to know me anymore. My husband only sees wrong in me. My respected brothers and elders. Why? Because there's an unnatural balance in one's life. The natural way is the remembrance of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us understanding. Today's time we have Muslims drinking alcohol. I've drove past in a city in Brisbane and I've seen these men with the Saudi scarf. Wallahi Saudi scarf sitting on a balcony. White thobes. White thobes. And they're drinking wine. They're drinking alcohol. There's no more shame anymore. The sin has been done so much, the heart has become so black that there's an imbalance in nature. You will see that the person that commits sin, there's no balance in his home. No balance. He cannot have a good relationship with his wife because he desires something else. Remember this statement, my respected brothers and elders, in regards to nature. The grass is only green. They say, they say the grass looks greener on the other side. My respected brothers, the grass looks greener on the other side, but rather, the grass is only green where you water it. They say that the grass looks greener on the other side. But truly where the grass is green, the grass is green where you water it. Where you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you give it the haq. There you will see the natural green coming out. May Allah ta'ala allow us in the month of Ramadan, in the month of Madrasa, in the month of reformation, understand, acknowledge, come to terms that this is a problem that I have. I am always depressed, I'm always down, I'm always putting my problems on my wife, I'm always picking up people's problems, I'm always seeing the wrong in people, whatever the problem, this is the month to find the nature within ourselves so that we can connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala give us understanding. Moving on. The last one with respect to brothers elders, as I have about five minutes left, is in regards to the justice between mankind and the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah in the Quran mentions that everything in life is made from water. Everything in life is made from water. The most pure substance. And in regards to our ritual, if you don't find water, then you can, then you can, then you can, then you can. But what's first? Water. So in water is an ibadah. In what is in ibadah? The Prophet says that if you do not have a date to break your fast, then break your fast with half a date. If you do not even have half a date to break your fast, break your fast with water. Places in the world, my respected brothers and elders that I've been, that they have everything but they don't have clean water. They don't have clean water. May Allah allow us to taste the water of Zamzam. May Allah allow us to quench and break our fast on the water of Zamzam. How long do we stand in the showers? How long do we stand in the showers, my respected brothers? Water is running. People are dying in the world because of starvation and because of lack of water. Now that same purified, they say in South Africa, South Africa has one of the most cleanest water. I read an article and you can also Google this. They say that the South African water, 
the South African water, not Australian water. Australian water is terrible. South African water. The water that you get in your taps is cleaner than the water you get in the bottle. Oops. Read. They say that the water that you get in the taps is even cleaner than the water that they have in those bottles that you buy. Read about it, my respected brothers and elders. Wallahu alam. But this is the beauty. This is the manfa that Cape Town, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed South Africa with. The water is so beautiful, mashallah. Moving on, from moving from water to the car that we drive, the clothes that we wear, the family that we have. The Prophet says that be kind to your auntie, your mother's sister. Because in the absence of your mother, your mother's sister becomes your mother. Allah tells us about the justice that we should be with our neighbors. In fact, I moved to Garlandale, a beautiful town, mashallah. But just the other day, non-Muslim, mashallah, nice old lady. There was a dog for the neighbor that basically, the, he, he, the dog has made his toilet the neighbor's yard. So the dog comes out and he goes all the way there. The neighbor actually opens the gate in purpose. I've been watching every morning and basically does his number two in the grass, and mashallah, then goes back into his house again. So this lady comes to me and she starts giving me a mouthful how the neighbors are. And I tell her, she's not Muslim, I said, subhanAllah, well, it's far from Islam. Because Islam tells us about the haq, the right that the neighbor has, that if you want to sell your house, not the Shafi'i madhab, but the Hanafi madhab says that if you want to sell your house, the first priority of buying the house is your neighbor. Agalika? This is Van Galanika. Architect. The first person that has the right upon buying your house is your neighbor. That's how natural Islam is. May Allah Ta'ala give us understanding. I'm going to jump on everything and I will conclude with this. Wife, life. No wife, no life. Man without wife, crazy man. Mulana Zulfikar mentions, in one of his talks, he says, I've been around, alhamdulillah, Muradhufikar speaking, he says, I've been around, and I've seen that person that says, uh, Mulana Sab, I'm getting married to another wife, why? Sunnah, 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 sunnah. <laughs> they love that sunnah, that sunnah I know. Doesn't matter, even though we know our brother knows it's sunnah, we still tell him it's sunnah, and, and the brother wants to hear sunnah too. He's like, yeah, I also feel like doing it. And when we see a man get married to a second wife, we're like, he's my hero. I can't do it. Oh no, my wife will chop me. But yes, He's my hero. He says, first experience nikah. First experience nikah. He says, I've seen a man, I've asked a man that has one wife. Do you feel like getting married to another wife? He says, yes, Mulana, I, I feel like getting married to another wife. He asked a man who, who married two wives. My sub, would you like to get married to two, uh, two three wives? He says, subhanAllah, if I had the money, if I had the money, I will marry three wives. He says, I've asked a man that married four wives. Would you like to get married to a fifth one? He says, Subhanallah, if I only can divorce one and get married to the fifth one. So for that person who says that I want to control my desire, he says, no, first get into a nikah. And what is a nikah, my respected brothers and elders? Libasul lakum wa antum libasul That wallah, if you want to complete your iman, and nikahu shu'batul iman, that nikah is half of one's faith. There's a certain amount of of, of, of iman and level that we can increase, but wallahi, it is completed when we get married. 
Sometimes she's a test. Some men are very laughing very softly because in case their wife's upstairs. Now I know whose, whose wife is upstairs. Just looking at them, how they're giggling. Right? Sometimes a test. But the wife, Allah Ta'ala says, they are recovering for you as you are recovering for them. So the sins that we can't see, so many times our respected brothers and elders, we see a guy, he likes to backbite. He just doesn't know he backbites. They have this thing called morning fikr in Australia by my masjid, mashallah. Tabligh Jamaat, very, very good, mashallah. So I used to sit sometimes. I'm sitting with them, and he starts to talk like this. Mashallah, yesterday I uh, went to the house to go visit, so Brother Ibrahim, and um, there was two cars parked outside. Two cars is his because I know his registration numbers very well. Uh, there was noise in the house, I knocked on the door, but no one opened up. Uh, I actually heard his voice too, but alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. You've just run the man down, crikey mate. You just stripped him from his honor. What type of figure is that? When the Sahabas had the concern, yes, they said, the Prophet of Allah, this Sahaba never came today. Slowly, quickly, they would go to the house, ask them, what happened? Why, why, why weren't you there for Fajr? Not strip the guy from everything he ever has. Oh, two crawlers, I remember 2005, he bought that 2013 model, and he has that new BMW parked there. He's trying to pay it off. Riba, by the way. You just stripped the man, mate, of everything he had. Gee whiz. So sometimes we don't even know the sins that we commit. But who knows better than our wives? That's why when Abu Huraira wanted to ask about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who did he ask? Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anhi said, oh, oh Aisha, tell me what was the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam like? She said, what? Kana khuluquhu al-Qur'an. If you want to know the, the, the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it was who what? The manners and the methodology of what the Qur'an speaks to us about. So a wife knows us better. Outside is Mulana, 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 at home, Ikram. Jay, Mulana, name of Ikram, Ikram, Ikram. And when you have guests too, they will basically say it louder even, Ikram. So they know the wife has more authority. So Allah has made that the wife, subhanAllah, is so beautiful that the wife is that person that is the closest that we even go to bed with that wife. So inshallah, the reason why I've skipped from water, the most basic necessity because of lack of time and jump to the wife because if you have a wife, you have good children. And if you have good children, you have future good spouses. And if you have future good spouses, you have future good mothers and fathers. And if you have future good fathers and mothers, you have a beautiful home. And if you have a beautiful home, you have a beautiful locality. And if you have a beautiful locality, you have a beautiful society. And if you have a beautiful society, you have a beautiful ummah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I will end off. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that a lucky man, a lucky man is a man that has a trustworthy wife. A lucky man is a man that has a trustworthy wife. My respected brothers, in conclusion, when we look at the step number one, our connection with Allah. When we look at step number two, our connection with ourselves. When we look at step number three, and we study deen in every single dynamics, we see it's the natural way. And when we look at the natural way, the natural way is ibadah, it is worship. And when a person is in the worship, Allah Ta'ala says that he's in the path of Allah. And when he's in the path of Allah, the hadith mentions that the birds in the sky make dua for him. And the fish in the ocean make dua for him. 
and the unanimated objects makes dua for him. What a Mubarak person is that? That the ground that he lays, the last place that he descends to in this dunya, calls him with ahlan wa sahlan atayta ahla wa atayta sahlan. My respected brothers and elders, in the month of Ramadan, it is an opportunity for us to connect with nature. In the month of Ramadan, it is our opportunity to connect with nature, to ask ourselves in three categories, have I been just? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all. May forgive me that I have gone way above my time. May Allah ta'ala protect us. May Allah ta'ala put sincerity in whatever I've said. May He penetrate my heart first and the heart of yours and your beautiful families. May Allah ta'ala guide us all. Wa akhiru da'awana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وأصحابه جمعين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا الله يا رب العالمين رب يسر ولا تعسر وتم من خير وبك نستعين يا فتاة أرحم الراحمين ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إنا نسألك علما نافعا وعملا صالحا ولسانا ذاكرا وقلبا خاشعا ورزقا حلالا طيبا مباركا يا رب العالمين يا أكرم الأكرمين يا أرحم الراحمين اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنامت عليهم من النبيين والصديقين والشهداء والصالحين اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا اللهم استر عورتنا وأمن روعتنا لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السامين عليم وتب علينا يا الله يا رب العالمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار سبحان ربنا رب العزة عما يسيفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين فالسلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته